praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. We invite one brother to read for us Matthew chapter 16, verse 1 through 12. And then a sister will continue from verse 13 to the end. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. A brother will read 1 through 12, then a sister will continue from 13 to the end. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm reading Matthew chapter 16, verse 1 to 12 from the NIV. The Pharisees and Sadducees seek a sign. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When is it? When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to descend the face of the sky, but you cannot descend the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. The living, the living of the Pharisees and Sadducees now, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they risen among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the, of the five thousand and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many large baskets you took up. How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the living of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Verse 12. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the living of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Amen. Verse 13 to 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. 
But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I will tell you that, and I will tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gate of hate will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdoms of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound, will be bind, will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Amen. Amen. This morning we are sharing on Let me first introduce this book. This is the Church of Pentecost General Headquarters Minister's Handbook. So it's a guide for ministers in ministry. And for now, every presbyter has been given a free copy, right? So they have all read it. Uh, They say they have it, but it's left with reading it. In the minister's manual, we have our minister's handbook. This is the minister's handbook. Page 16 is what I want to share with you today. Page 16 to 18. Page 16 to 18. I know you don't have a copy, but I'll be raising the issues there and explaining as we go along. After which, we will pray, take our tithes, and then we will do today's Bible study. Amen. Amen. So those who scheme that come what may, they will miss the Bible study. They will join today. Amen. But what I'm doing this time is the sermon for the day, the message that I'm preaching today. We have read Matthew chapter 16. And in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus tells his disciples, and indeed to all of us, to beware of the living of the Pharisees and Sadducees which in our context is to beware of teachings and doctrine that are brandished around. To be sure that the doctrine that we take in is grounded and founded on Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And that whatever you are listening on radio, TV, social media platforms and whatever, you like the Bereans will look into scripture and be sure they are in keeping with scripture. And then if there is anything that you have difficulty, that's why the church has leadership. You are free to talk to any of them. If you don't have solution, they will refer you to the uh, minister and then we trust that you will be able to answer all your concerns. But don't just go after practices and doctrines that are coming all, all over the place. Supposedly, uh, in, in the Christian church and faith. Last time some people sent me some 
uh, WhatsApp things, things that people are doing in some churches where people are anointing all kinds of things that I will not mention some here and, and all that. But make sure that whatever you do is in keeping with scripture. If you have your doubt, probably it's not in the right direction. So Jesus warns his disciples to beware of the doctrine they take in. They thought he was talking about bread, as in everyday bread. But Jesus said he's talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So doctrine is important. The doctrine you receive determines your conduct or your behavior and it becomes your character. It eventually determines your destiny. So your doctrine, the doctrine you uphold will ultimately determine where you spend eternity. And so it's important for us to be wary of it. And then the second part is that talks about the church. That he will build his church and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. So the church is explicitly built on Christ Jesus our Lord. And it comes into reality in our lives when we have a revelation of who Christ is like Peter had and was able to confess and say you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. So the revelation that we have of Christ in the church of Pentecost determines by and large uh, the things that we do and our practices and so on. So as we share fellowship together, it is important that all of us agree or are in sync with whatever we are doing. And so we all go together and inherit the blessings of God. Amen. So today, the minister's handbook, I said, I'm looking at page 16 to 18 and it is about church culture church culture things that we do in the church of Pentecost so I've mentioned them and I'll try to explain them briefly and then I'll give room for question time and then we pray over it then we'll do what we have us to do Amen right the following distinctive attribute have identified the Church of Pentecost. One, the Church of Pentecost is self-supporting church. We have a self-supporting attitude. Self-supporting means that whatever we are doing in this church, everything that you see in the house here is contributed to by members of this church. We don't solicit for funds from anywhere. Every fund that we generate is from the membership, is from the church some of the grants we receive are coming from the tight contributions that we have made to the area and to the headquarters. Then they send some to us to help in whatever we are doing. So when we say that this is what we have set for ourselves to do, then you ought to identify yourself with it and contribute so we are able to do. I have one senior officer, he met me and said, oh, so far I was waiting that you give me invitation one of your harvest or special offering, then I will come and uh, support you people. I said, it's a nice idea. God bless you, but I will not send anything to him. Is it because he's not a member of this congregation? Are you understanding me? The point is that uh, I invite you, oh, I'm having service, come. He doesn't come. But if I tell him I'm doing offering and he comes, it's as if we are soliciting for his money but we want to solicit for your soul 
and not his money. He sold first, and then when he has given his soul to Christ, then he will give his substance as well. Are you understanding me? So the church is self-supporting. This children's chapel we are building, all the money will come from us. It will come from us, us in the sense of membership here and Pentecost members, believers everywhere in Pentecost will support. If somebody visits us and wants to contribute, fine. But we don't go uh, soliciting from other people to do the work of God. The work in the kingdom of God are done by the people of the kingdom. If you understand me, say amen. And that's the same attitude we carry all over the world. Wherever we plant church, we teach them giving. And we encourage that they will be self-supporting. They will try and contribute whatever they set before them uh, to do. So the project that we are doing, which me I, I'm taking is the last major project we are doing like that. We require our support. We all of us here ought to support to realize it. Amen. So it's Church of Pentecost itself supporting church. We don't get money from anywhere in the world. And of course, for those of us in Ghana, the church headquarters is in Ghana. So it's from even Ghana that we support the places that we have need to support. But we encourage them also to try and come to that level. The second culture of the church is faithfulness and integrity. Faithfulness and integrity. Whatever you are doing in the church, we want to see that you are doing it faithfully unto the Lord. Every area of your life, we want to see faithfulness and integrity. So that irrespective of who you are, if you falter on the grounds of faithfulness and integrity, you will be disciplined. The last time, okay, we, I read the uh, circular from the council meeting last week at Jubilee. The one here, we didn't read that part, but it's on the notice board. There is even an, an apostle who has retired, but he did something was in service, and we have been found that it's, it's tantamount to unfaithfulness and disloyalty to the church. So his uh, calling as an apostle has been revoked. Uh, the only thing is that if he were to be active minister, he would have been dismissed. But he is retired. So if you are dismissing a retired person, it's not in keeping with any law. And it will mean that you simply don't want to give him his retirement benefits, his subsistence. So as a church, we don't want to do that. That's why his calling has been revoked. So he's saying that we are serious with those matters. So whatever you are doing, try and make sure that you are faithful and you do it out of integrity. Well, in whatever sphere of life you find yourself, if you go and commit in your workplace and information gets worse and you find that you, are, you have not lived as a Christian, discipline will chase you. Are you understanding me? So if you are a soldier, it's a different thing marching to your uh, commanding officer for them to open Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 to 20 for you. And then you deal with it. Are you understanding me? And young ones also follow what I'm saying. The third distinctive feature of the church is uh, culture of the church is distinctiveness in prayer. Distinctiveness in prayer. 
Half for us, when we meet, we don't expect one person to pray for us and then we respond and fall out. We all pray. Yeah. So they raise the topic, we all pray. We believe in corporate prayer, corporate anointing, and God answering all of us. And so when it comes to worship, for instance, the person leading the worship, generally we don't expect that you tell us from the start, stand to your feet. Uh, if you know open prayer, and I'm saying this ahead, so those of you who are called to do it, you know, when you say come and lead open prayer, don't come and stand there and say, everybody stand. We, do, we, do, we don't stand like that. When you come, say, we begin the open prayer, shall we bow our hands for prayer? Then you raise your song or whatever. You do. As we go on, if you want us to stand, you invite us to stand. But as a congregation, if you want to stand, you can stand. Once we raise the song, if individually you feel like standing, you will stand. But the one leading can tell us to stand if he feels that we should stand. And I'm not saying that there cannot be an occasion where you feel led. That if you are leading worship, you can ask, shall we all stand to our feet? Shall we bow, reflect on God? Then it is part of the worship uh, process that you are taking us through. But you don't just say, shall we stand to our feet whilst you are thinking of the song to raise? Are you understand what I'm saying? And we traditionally don't say we begin the service in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We begin from the beginning. Then we are going. So if you don't hear say in the name of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's not as if you don't believe in the Trinity. We believe in the Trinity. But our liturgy doesn't require that you state we are beginning in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Beloved, we are gathered in the name of the Lord. Shall we enter into a time of prayer? We have begun. Then we should. That's how flexible ours is. And then in the worship, when we are singing, we we'll sing. Then the instrumentalist, you play. When we are singing, you play. When we are not singing, don't play. Yeah, so that when we say, let's pray all, when the one leading the worship begins to sing the glosalaria. You know glosalaria? Eh? Yeah. We bow down and worship Yahweh. We bow down and worship Yahweh. Then Then everybody starts to worship. When, when you are singing in the Holy Ghost, that's what we call the glosalaria. Uh, just singing in the spirit. Eh? When the person is praying and we are all praying, then whether we said let's pray or not, then you stop the instrument and you also join. Otherwise, you only be on your instrument throughout the service. You stop and you pray. Once you raise a song, then you go back to the instrument. When we are preaching, we don't play instrument and uh, uh, as a background. Those of you who have been going to charismatic churches and so on, some, when they begin the music, they will play it at uh, benediction. Uh, if you are preaching, they are still playing for you. Sometimes they bang, 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 just to jack you up. Then you know that you have to shout. <laughs> uh, when we are talking, we don't play the instrument. When we are singing, we play it. That is our culture, church culture. And then in our worship, we sing and we pray. So if you are leading worship, we will not sing, 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 and then you say, Amen. We are finished. We don't roll like that. We will sing and then we will pray. 
We will sing, we will pray. And then we will pray with the spirit, we will pray with our understanding. And so, especially opening prayer, intercession prayer, if you are leading it, don't let us just pray in tongues from beginning to the end. Uh, so the guys who are supporting, when you are praying in tongues, at a point, pray with your understanding also. It helps so that those who are coming late, when they come, they know where we have reached. When you are saying, God, we thank you, we praise you, then they know they are thanking, then they join. Uh, if they come and say, in the name of Jesus, we drive out this, 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 then they know we are praying for healing, so they can join. But if they come and it's all, they will not know where you have reached. If I'm making sense, say amen. If you have any questions, just note it at a point, I will take them. The fourth culture is that the church discipline is without fear or favor, irrespective of position, race, or color of members. When it comes to matters of discipline, it doesn't matter. From chairman to uh, the last person baptized. You know that your membership begins when we have baptized you. Or you have come from a church and have identified yourself with us, so we have recorded your name in our register. Now, what we will do very soon is that new members from other churches who join us, we will take them through a kind of orientation so they know what we do here. Once they accept to fellowship with us, we will give them the right hand of fellowship. Those who are coming from places that we need to baptize them, if they agree with us, we will baptize them and then we will give them the right hand of fellowship. Then they enter into full membership here. Once you are a full member here and you commit, you do anything that requires discipline, you will be disciplined accordingly. And discipline includes uh, rebuke. We can just bring you forward, rebuke you and ask you to sit down. That one, no suspension, but rebuke. And then there's occasion where we suspend you. We come, you sit at the last seat in the, in the congregation until you are reinstated. And then there are situations where you can be excommunicated. Your name will be taken off the books of the church. Maybe another time I'll talk about church discipline. And that one, as for excommunication, nobody can do it. It can only come from the headquarters. Then you will appear before the chairman and the International Executive Council. When your matter reaches that place, it means the discipline they can give you there can include excommunication. They will cancel your name from Pentecost. So you carry on. Are you understanding me? Yeah. But in the local assembly, district pastor area, apostle, we cannot excommunicate you. We can only suspend you and and then for officers, presbyters, deacons, deaconesses, elders, they cannot be uh, disciplined, uh, as they cannot be suspended by their district pastors. They can be suspended by their area heads. But if your district pastor is an apostle, then it can be something. Okay. The fifth point. <laughs> <laughs> Congregational worship is based on spirit and truth and not necessarily in, on location or structure. Congregational worship is based on spirit and truth. We, when, when we meet, anywhere that we meet and we say we are gathered in the name of Jesus, 
His presence is there. I hope you agree that the scripture also affirms. There were two or three I gathered in, the, in my name. There I am in the midst. So it means that we can gather at the car park. When we say that Burma Camp Assembly, our meeting place is car park. It is a church. For us, this is a chapel. So we can have chapels on the trees and wherever. For us, church is the gathering of the people and not the structure. But we try that we can get structures for our church, decent places of worship for our congregations. But for us, a congregation, an assembly is not defined by a structure. It is defined by the people who have gathered. The next one is that we believe in fellowship and generosity. We believe that every member has to participate in church service. We participate in church service as a mandatory requirement of our Christian work. We don't believe, we don't say, me, I, I don't go to church, but I'm better than those who go. Or those who say, oh, have a church, is not very, you can go once in a while. Those who have been going to church Sunday by Sunday, some too, they come Easter, Christmas. Some, their church service is 31st night. If you are a church member and your church attendance is that way, we are we, we classify you as a backslider. It means you, you are not in good standing. You have backslidden. And so, if you know the whole week you didn't step here, it's only this morning you have appeared since last Sunday. You are definitely doing something wrong. So, tell somebody, jack up. And we believe in generosity. Generosity to ourselves and then generosity in the things of God by way of offering to the things of God. So we believe in generosity, giving, Pentecostal giving. We say, oh, our brother has, has lost the mother, so let's make some support for him. We expect that you be generous in your giving. You will come from the level at which God has blessed you and support the person. The next point is respect for authority. Respect for authority is with the understanding, irrespective of the person's age. When somebody is called a leader in the fellowship, a leader in the ministry, a deacon, deaconess, a presbyter, you are called the person, the respect that is due the office. And for us in military circles, we understand that if you are saluting a superior person, you don't do that based on his or her structure or her gender. You do it based on what? A rank, the place that the person has been put. So we respect that there will be respect amongst ourselves and to those who are in authority in the church. The eighth point is mutual respect and sense of belonging for all members without discrimination based on color, gender, tribe, race, or nationality. We expect that you respect everyone and relate with every person equally. Equally, irrespective of the gender, the race, and whatever. It's non-discriminatory. Uh, now, formerly we were even sitting uh, in, in gender lot. Now, we have made it open. You can sit anywhere that you want, except that we want you to sit from the front. Are you understanding me? Uh, we don't want the sitting the way it is this morning here. Some of the front seats are empty 
but some of the places too are filled. We want that you sit and sit properly. But we don't discriminate. Once you enter into, into church, every, all your social standings and everything is evened out. We are all children of God. This is a family meeting. Amen. Uh, so come with that understanding that here there is no uh, RSM drill. BOD RSM is here, but uh, it will not issue orders to any BOD personnel in the church. When they reach BOD, then fall in! Then the next point is sacrificial giving. Sacrificial service to the Lord without expecting pecuniary reward. It's a big word. Sacrificial service to the church without expecting pecuniary reward. It means that whatever we are doing in church and we call on you, we give you an appointment, an assignment to do, don't expect that we'll pay you. We don't intend to pay you. If we are hiring you based on your professional skill, we will talk to you up front that we want a capital to do this capital job. We negotiate and then we'll pay you for it. But if we form a committee and say, oh, use your expertise to support us to do this one, don't expect any payment. Otherwise, the instrumentalist will be paid uh, weekly, isn't it? Uh, because this keyboard, if you put me there now, <laughs> I don't know which song you people can sing. Uh, and the drums, when we were young, in my church, it wasn't this one. So the general wrote to me, I can play all three. The general, the tim, tim, and the I can play all of them. That's the type we came to meet. So I can play it. And then when we play it and finish, we say, God bless you. Like the uh, beautiful lady singing. They sing so well. And the twins are in their formation this morning. Clap for them. They are looking. I thought there was some, a, a bride coming in. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> so, they sing so beautifully, but we don't pay them. The point is that if you are to pay, you will pay up to the person who claps. Because the person who is clapping is also helping us make music. Are you understanding me? You look at it. Somebody is playing the instrument. Another is singing. Somebody is leading the praises. Somebody is also leading the worship. Somebody is reading scripture this morning. Somebody is ushering others in. Somebody is uh, playing the tambourine. Somebody is controlling the thing so that the points that is crazy in your head, you can see it following another on the screen. People are doing things here. And so if you are to pay them, and then what is the source of the money? All of us are putting the money there. It means it will be like, can uh, say create router, but it will be create and share. <laughs> it, will, it will be like, we, we put the board there, we put the money there and share. Uh, and then you get to a point, you can't get some to share. Because uh, there are some people, if they put 50 Ghana in, and then in sharing, you give them 10 Ghana, next one, they will give you 5 Ghana. <laughs> they will come down. If you give them 1 Ghana, the next time they will bring you senior coin. And then you find that we will not even get money to go around. So work in the church. I remember our brother, uh, Amponsa, is doing a very great work together with uh, the, uh, Romeo on the project. And uh, Romeo is using his skill as a civil engineer on, on the job. And our brother 
I'm concerned he's using his quantity surveying things to do everything that has to be done there. I remember I was there one time, one of his friends, his colleagues came and said, Hey, Osofu, this thing that you are asking my friend to do, do you know how much you owe him? <laughs> then I said, How much do you think you owe him? Then he gave me some percentage. I said, Hey, that's why he himself understands. I'll give him a big hallelujah, amen. And God, God bless him, and then he's carrying on. So you see, so although all of us are taking an offering, whatever our brothers will put in, it is plus the sacrifice of the askel they are putting. Because quantities of years and others, they charge maybe a percentage of the cost of the project and so on. But it does it as service to God. That's why we don't pay. So convention, for instance, we go and do convention, you support. The, the best you can get there is that some refreshment. When you are raising the canopy, we bring some pure water and some uh, kinky, gang kinky, and we take it. And then understand that that is what you have. Amen. But in various Asia, uh, cases, instances, if it requires, you show appreciation to people. But our service here is sacrificial. So when you are taking any appointment on, understand is sacrificial. If you understand and you are in that spirit, then you will be blessed. Otherwise, you end up annoying. And then you, 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 you go like that. The ministers are paid because that is all they do. Uh, they do not do any other thing except for the preaching of the word. That's why. And what they give them is called allowance. The reason why we, give, we, we name it allowance is that it is not based on their qualification. Uh, just based on the service, the time they entered into ministry. We just pay you pay your years of service like that and you, you carry on and then you trust God for the rest. Amen. The other one is neighborhood churches. Medium, small, medium sized community based churches. Church policy promotes church planting. We believe in community churches. That's why we plant our churches all over the place. The assemblies are all over the place. We, we believe in community churches so people can just walk and get to church. You don't have to travel very far to get to the place of worship. So we believe in community uh, churches. But we have found, last council meeting, we have found that in the south of Ghana, like the regional capitals, generally in the south, the assemblies are getting too close to themselves. So for now, we want to restrain from opening assemblies, uh, additional assemblies in the south, because some of them, they are like 100 meters apart. Some are even less. It doesn't help so much. So we want that we can get bigger uh, halls or chapels so the assemblies can get bigger and not small, small. But in the north and other areas where the communities are far apart, we ought to have them in every community. We believe in that. That is our model of church, is community-based church. We believe in the home cell system. Home cell system of fellowship fosters the creation of avenues for effective discipleship and promotes both numerical and spiritual growth. We believe in home cell. And we expect that every member will identify him or herself with a cell. How many of you here have a cell? You know yourself. You have a cell, you attend. Just wave and let me see. Wave properly. So I see those. Uh, Sarah. 
Presenting header. 90% of your people are not in homestead. At least those who are in church today. 90% are not in any cell. It means you are in breach of church culture. How we do church. So try and identify yourself with a home cell. The home cell coordinator will take it up and try and re restructure based on our membership so that everybody has to be in a home cell. The home cell meeting, we have made it only once a month. Formerly was, uh, I think, every Sunday except for the communion Sunday that is for family meeting. But now we have made it once a month. So if it is four Sundays in a month, you will go for only one. And it is for fellowship among brethren in particular communities. Those who are close to your place, you share fellowship. So try and do that. And it helps to meet each other's needs as we go forward. So, home cell. The coordinator will take it up and then work on it. Every one of us has to be in a home cell. The next point, which is interesting but important for you to hear. Okay, he has put it up. Total abstinence from alcohol, tobacco, and other hard drugs. For us, we don't worship in the spirit of the bottle. Uh, we worship in spirit, but not the spirit that comes from bottles. So we believe in total abstinence from alcohol. Total abstinence from alcohol. Total abstinence from tobacco in any form. Whether you are putting it under your under your what, teeth tower or you are sniffing it or you are smoking it or you are shishying it total abstinence total abstinence from any drug drug in the sense of uh, drug that they abuse not uh, the one they give you in hospital so we don't smoke we don't drink when you see a drinking malt, it's pure malt. It's not Brukutu <laughs> malt. It's a memens you. It's not camouflage. <laughs> so, total abstinence. If you are drinking, it is a drinking small, small. You are in breach of a church culture. You don't drink any alcohol. Total abstinence. You don't smoke. You don't take hard drugs. We uphold monogamous marriage as well as chastity before marriage. If you are married, it should be one man, one wife, one woman, one husband. Period. Period. And it is for life until your spouse dies. Then you are free from the marriage bond. Then you can marry again if you so wish it. But once your partner is alive, we expect you to be faithful to your marriage vows. And those who are yet to marry, if you are not married, we don't make room for, for testing Mike. One to one to testing, testing, one to one to testing, testing. For dress rehearsal, testing, testing. 
We don't make room for it. We don't uphold that one. The reason we put chastity here is that some might have converted. Before conversion, he has already broken his whatever. But subsequently, you need to uphold chastity. If you are born into the church, we expect that at the time that you are entering into marriage, you should go uh, a virgin, as it is. And when we talk about being a virgin, it's not only for women who the men too are apart and let them say amen. Uh, some of, most people when they say virgin, then they are looking at women. But you yourself, you know why you <laughs> So we uphold monogamous marriages and chastity before marriage. Six seventeen homosexuality, lesbianism, and other perverse sexual practices are not permitted in the church. You don't permit it. You don't expect any member to be a practicing homosexual or lesbian and any of those things that they have. And so uphold the scriptural principle of heterogeneous relationship. Man and woman marrying. And the church opposed paternal inheritance. As for the church, we are paternal. We are paternal, but you members, it doesn't affect you too much. If you are a minister, it affects you because whatever the church has to give to you, if you pass on, you die, they will do it in a paternal kind of distribution. Whatever you have, they will give it to your wife and children and they expect that it is patrilinear. They don't calculate it matrilinear way. But it is more for church employees. But if we are relating with you, we come from paternal point. Female visitors who attend church services without a head covering should be accepted as they are without being turned back or offered a head covering. So for now, majority of you are like me. So, <laughs> if for us, if you want to uphold the First Corinthians 11 that says women to pray with help cover, we have no problem with you. If you want to cover your head, fine. If you don't want to cover your head and you think that it is based on the context of, of that culture in which Paul was writing that he wrote, whatever your understanding. The scripture says, let every man declare in his own mind. If you are doing something and in your spirit you know, no, you are not free, then you are not free. But in Christ, there is liberty. Amen. So nobody will offer anybody any hair covering. It is, this one, I think it was uh, the, uh, our previous context as a church that it was put here. So every, let everybody feel free to do whatever pleases him. It should not even be a factor anymore. Don't think about whether somebody has a gear or not. Whether somebody sits here or not. The, what we uphold is righteousness in what we do. Amen. The next one, women should fashion their hairstyles in a decent, modest and appropriate manner to the glory of God. Now that we are seeing your hairs. <laughs> now the hair... When the hair gear was on top, then we would talk about re reduce the uh, short care or something. 
Gede. Gede. <laughs> I can't even mention Gede or Gede or Gede or whatever. We will not expect your Gede. It should be said that it will, <laughs> it will block others who are sitting behind you from seeing what is happening on the platform. Uh, but now that most of you don't have it on, do your hair also in a decent way. Uh, don't make it wundious. And then give it a nice touch. You see, appear decent. Uh, if you do Rasta and those things, try and uh, maintain it. You understand? So that when you are worshiping, you say, we bow down. Somebody <laughs> will not have challenge. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so do keep your head hair in a decent way. In the same manner, the next point says, the wearing of seductive and sexually provocative dresses should be discouraged. And I think that, you see, now we are sitting together. So, try that as a lady, when you sit, your dress should cover your knee. I think it's good enough. If you sit, it should be able to cover your knee. It means that when you are standing, it should be below your knee. So that when you sit and it folds up, still you have a good cover. Uh, don't come and lead any man into temptation. Uh, outside, it's within your right to do wear whatever you wear. But in church, decency is enjoined. So try that when you sit down, your dress is still covering your essential parts. It's, uh, it covers up to your knee. It's decent. And then when you are cutting the kaba, Kati said that there's no voyeurism or uh, what exhibitionism in the house of God. Uh, I think that one is not very much in vogue. Those days when they were sharing it, now it has gone down. Uh, are they still sharing it? Oh, sisters, sisters, are they still sharing the jar? Oh, no or yes? Yes or yes? No, okay. So we don't want you to share a and, and come and lead anybody to tempt, uh, into temptation. But it's also not decent as a believer that your dress is unduly tight. Your dress is showing uh, things that you should be covered. And then the gentleman, it is also fitting that when somebody sits by you, you know that you just came from the bathhouse and so on. The smell is good. Hallelujah. So that when the angel comes to church, you would like to stand by your side. It's, it's, it would be wonderful when Gabriel comes into the service and he's still standing by you. It's nice. But when he said that Gabriel had to give you a gap, it's not very helpful. Uh, so some deodorant uh, and some it, it won't hurt. But we are not also saying that you, you, when you enter church, it should be like uh, an altar of incense. <laughs> when you enter church, then you are low, you have, you have changed the atmosphere to your cologne. Just, just do everything in moderation and decently. If it makes sense, say amen. So the next point, I've said it. Women must avoid the practice of cleavage. The partial exposure of breasts and other sensitive parts of the body as that does not glorify the Lord. And then church anniversaries. Uh, Rima just celebrated an anniversary. What was it? 
15th, 15th anniversary. Uh, it was in breach of church culture. For church culture, we will celebrate anniversaries, 10th anniversary, 25th anniversary, 50th anniversary, 75th anniversary, and maybe 100 year centenary celebration and so on. So those major milestones are what we celebrate. Not that we have changed. We have reviewed the president as we will do <laughs> uh, anniversary to commemorate <laughs> the new face. Amen. <laughs> All right. The next ones I will just mention the headings because by and large they have been reflected in the previous one. We believe in tithes and offering. In fact, for us, tithes and offering is crucial and it forms about 90% of the, church, the church's source of income. All the money that we use to run the Church of Pentecost, the whole world, about 90% is tithes and offering. So for us, it's a serious business and every church member is expected to be a tither. And God takes tithe of dollars too. Whatever currency you end your money, if you bring it as a tithe, God will happily receive it and you will be blessed. So we believe in tithes and offering. We believe in social activities. When there are social functions in the community that you can participate in decently and bear testimony to Christ, you are encouraged to attend. Holiness of members and officers. The church expects every church officer and every church member to be a practicing Christian, upholding holiness and integrity in everything that we do. Holiness. Then we also believe in consistent Bible teaching. Consistent Bible teaching. That's why almost every meeting that we have, we open the scriptures, we will expose scripture. We believe in consistent Bible teaching. We believe in all types of prayers. Thanksgiving, worship, adoration, supplication, intercession. All kinds of prayers are offered in the church at the appropriate time, depending on the particular face uh, of the service, we might do thanksgiving, or we might do worship, or we might do intercession, we might offer supplications, and so on. All types of prayers are offered. And for Pentecost, prayer is a, a, a big deal. Praying is a big deal. We expect that prayer will be said in the church. That's why we expect members to be participating in evening services. God for evening service is keenly word and prayer. Mainly word and prayer. We expect membership to participate fully. So far, attendance to evening service in Rima is about 5% of the membership. When we meet in the evening for any prayers, the attendance from Rima is about 15, 5%. And it's ter terribly low. Taking, realizing also that there are a lot of youth here. If you are a youth and you at this stage don't encounter God, then going forward there is a difficulty. Sustaining the church into the future might be a challenge. So we expect you to take evening services and times of prayer seriously. The other one is church discipline. I've spoken about it but it is made a key point here. Church discipline. The respect and obedience to 
authority. It is expected that when your presiding elder stands and make an announcement and say something, you take it seriously and implement it. More so, if the minister comes to add his voice, there's no way the participation should be low, should be high. Submission, the 15th point is submission to corrective measures and policies of the church. If you are subjected to discipline, you are supposed to uh, submit yourself to the discipline and go through it. Whatever is required of you is expected that you do. When there are policies, when guidelines come, we expect that you find it necessary to implement it in your own way and at your level. Then, For the discipline, there are detailed guidelines. I said one time I would take discipline in the church and talk about it. In fact, I'm doing a research on church discipline. Uh, so probably at a point I'll give you questionnaires as my, my work progresses. So the last point here is regular fellowship of the saints. Regular fellowship of the saints. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Acts 2, 42 to 47. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It talk, they both talk to us about the need for fellowship of believers in the context of the church. The believers in Acts chapter 2 said they fellowshiped daily. They shared fellowship with one another. And the Hebrews 10, 25 said, don't neglect the assembling of the saints in as much as you know that the day of the Lord is approaching. Amen. Any question? Any question? Any of the things that I've said, if you have any question, you can ask. Yes. Brother Michael. Please, with the first point about as being self-sufficient. Self-supporting, yes. Self-supporting. Sometimes, oftentimes, we are given envelopes. You can take out to, for people to fill. Uh, how about that one, too? We are given envelopes to send it out yes. for people to fill. And, and then you bring them here, here in Burma, Gambia. Uh, it's been a while it happened here, but I believe it has happened before. Sometimes they number uh, it for us and they... We take it I, I, I don't remember issuing an envelope to be sent to anybody. Hey. But, but the principle is what I've told you. That it's not good practice. Especially for ministry leaders and others noted that we don't expect that you'll be soliciting more especially from unbelievers for kingdom work. The kingdom uh, work is supported by people of the kingdom. At a point in time we're even bringing uh, uh, other church members, leaders and so we know have cash. We invite them from places to come and support. That one we have been advised to this, uh, uh, we have been discouraged from doing that. Uh, sometimes we are doing maybe uh, fundraising. Then you invite maybe Tobinko or Zoom Line or somebody because you know the minimum he will give man <laughs> push the whole thing. We are uh, Encourage to desist from that because one, you put a lot of pressure 
on those people and, and it, it doesn't help too much. So whatever we have to do, put your shoulders to the wheel and let's push it on. So that, that is the stand, yes. Yes, okay. Amen. Apostle, please, point 18. Yes, it says what? About the dressing. Dressing. Yes. Uh, to church. I would like you to throw more light, not limiting it to church, but to work and functions as well. Because sometimes, and at home, sometimes you meet a colleague at work or a member, and you don't know whether to say, when you say praise the Lord, the people around will say, is this also your church member or at a party the dressing the one you spoke or at home it's okay. been tight and all of that so you heard what she said say amen uh, so you see when you, you are dressed such a way that when you meet or suffer or somebody respect you begin to pull it down it means you are improperly dressed that's all are you understanding me uh, if you dress such a way that when you meet somebody you respect you begin to try to now cover up. It means all this why you are uncovered. It's not going well. And I've met some of you some places. Some they can cut to. It's wearing a long dress or even a slit. But it has been slitted in such a way that if you look at the rest, oh, this person is decently dressed. <laughs> So please, just be decent. Just be decent wherever you are. Uh, just try and have an understanding of what decency is. Uh, be classy. Yeah? Let, your, let your dress have that Christian touch and uh, classy. I'm not saying that let your dresses be like cassock. You understand? We are not advocating that oh, your dress should be like cassock. You would have gone to a, a seminary for that. <laughs> that's not what we are saying but we are saying that be covered properly we are not saying that your, your, the dress should be like a sack but we are also not. We are also saying that it should not be so tight that all your vitals are on display you understand just to fit let it be that your dress fits it doesn't tight and I think it's good enough amen yes Please, that point um, three. That's it. Faithfulness and integrity. If you can also explain it a little further. Okay, faithfulness and integrity. If there is an issue, if any issue comes concerning you, you, you do something. And then when we go into the matter and we are able to prove that you, you are unfaithful to the Lord principally to the Lord and it goes uh, in the way of maybe if you have been unfaithful to your marital vows is to the, to the Lord unfaithfulness to your employer is unfaithfulness to the Lord and so we want you to maintain moral integrity do things that are right and honoring to the Lord if you come to the church uh, system there are so many things that if you do can be equated to unfaithfulness to the Lord. If you are counting church money and some accidentally ends in your socks, it's unfaithfulness. Yeah. Here, it has not happened, but it has happened elsewhere. Uh, once that thing happens, then, then if, if 
if you are to sell maybe church stationery at a price, you're supposed to go at that price, and then you sell with a profit margin for yourself. It's unfaithfulness to the church. Anything that we you assess and find that you are trying to be dubious in what you did is unfaithfulness to the church. Even if you try to organize prayer meetings so that you take the offering is unfaithfulness to the Lord. So it is broad and wide but it simply means that have integrity in what you do. If you do anything that shows that you don't have integrity then you are faulted. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, it's about lesbianism. Lesbianism and homosexuality, yes. Yeah, and it mostly falls on us as girls when we go to the boarding schools and things. We think because, you know, doing it with a boy is cool to do that with a girl. And some of our children, they fall victims to that because it's like a new thing when you are in a boarding school and you don't have a girl. And now that we know that it's evil, it's not because you're not sleeping with a boy and you're doing it with a girl, it's okay. So now that we know it's evil and some of us, we have done it, how are we going to get out of it? Okay. So it says if you have been involved in homosexuality, lesbianism, one understand that is sin. It's not just wrong. It's not just bad. It's not just a mistake. It is what? A sin. It's against God. And against his ordinance for man. So you repent of it. And then uh, pray about it. First pray about it. If you, you find that it's difficult for you to break from that bondage, talk to your sofu. Just talk to your pastor. This one will not attract suspension. It will not attract any discipline. There are things that people go through and they think that if you tell or suffer, then there will be a discipline. If things are disciplined that way, then many people have been disciplined. Sometimes people even have marital issues. They are not able to tell the pastor because they think that when the pastor gets in it, next thing, discipline. No. Discipline will only come in when eventually that sin catches up with you. Your sin finds you out. And then we have to confront you with it. And then you say yes. And then you are telling stories. That one, you will not escape discipline. Because it shows that you yourself have not repented of it. Except that you have been caught with it. So if you have difficulty with any of them, just talk to Osofo. The reason why I'm saying just talk to Osofo is, is just to cut the chase. Ordinarily, you could talk to any presbyter to deal with it. But just to make it simple and straightforward for you. Just talk to yourself. We will help you out. Amen. Praise yeah. the Lord. Now, <laughs> the questions are from... Okay, yes. I have we, we'll take this one, then you'll take the mic down. Yes. Actually, I have three questions. Three questions. The first one, you gave an example of um, an apostle whose calling was revoked after he had retired. Yes. And my question is, what is the effect of the punishment? Because he's no longer an apostle. So how do you revoke something that he no longer uh, exists? uh, Okay, let me take it one one. He's still an apostle. He was still an apostle. Yes, for us, you see, soldier, they say major retired. We don't say apostle retired. We say apostle retired. We put the retired at the end. 
the anointing is not retired. It's the person who has been retired. That's why we do it deliberately like that. So he's still an apostle. When he comes here, because he is retired, we will let him sit by the side resting. But any apostolic duty, you can ask him to do. If you are doing ordination, when we went for this council meeting, when we were doing ordination for apostles, the new apostle we ordained, chairman was there, but he asked the retired chairman, Opokuina, to do it because he's still an apostle. And so his apostle, Opokuina, retired. So if he commits, not for him, <laughs> but if an apostle retired, commits, even a pastor retired, commits, then we are attacking the uh, pastor. We take the pastor away. Uh, and then we don't dismiss because if you, where, what are you dismissing for? It's not in active service. So that one will, will just be there. But it's not a pastor. You see, when he's retired, he still comes and sits on platform. And then when you close, you want to greet him and probably even show some generosity to him because he's a minister retired. But when you revoke that one, then you come and sit in membership. Then, Yes. The second one is about the worship, where yeah. he said that when um, the worship leader starts praying, the instrumentalist should stop playing the instruments. Yeah. I think that it will make it a bit dry. You know, I, well, what I'm saying <laughs> is this, is that when the instru instruments are playing alongside and you are praying, there's a certain uh, anointing, a certain uh, um, ease with which you pray. Then even you can pray musically. Uh -huh. So yes. if uh -huh. if they just top like that, and then when you want to raise a song, they come in again. I'm thinking it might <laughs> make it dry. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the point the point is that when we are praying, we want everybody to be praying, including the instrumentalist. Otherwise, they won't even pray in the whole service. So it gives them an opportunity to pray. And then the praying part is part of the worship. It's a segment we want, all want to pray. We don't want to sing. You see, sometimes people don't really flow in worship. They are just enjoying the music. You see, the FM station, when they say they are playing worship songs. What they, they are playing only cool music. Yeah, we just want to truncate it. Worship is not about cool music and enjoying yourself. It's about God. That's why we want them to yeah. when you are praying, you pray. And, yes. One, uh -huh. we, we, you said that they, we believe in community churches. Yes. Um, so that if you live within a community and there's a church there, you, you should ordinarily yeah. attend. Yeah. But I find that a lot of times, let's say if you started from Bema Camp and then now because of um, your work or something, you are living in let's say Ashiye or Oyarefo or something, it becomes a challenge if you want a transfer from your local church. Is that not the case? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's not the case. <laughs> Okay, transfer and challenges are sometimes because of the role you might be playing in the local church, the leadership have difficulty just releasing you. So they talk you into trying to stay. Uh, but, but as a policy, the closer you stay. And then there are churches like uh, PIWC, some, some of the churches, people necessarily come from a distance because in the catchment area, the community you might not have 
people uh, and then people who are from Afar still find interest in coming to that place. But we are saying that is our philosophy of ministry. The philosophy of our ministry is community churches. Yeah. And it's our philosophy that Lighthouse has also copied. Uh, when you meet Doug Ewell, most will tell you, he was not building community churches, but at a point he reflected on Church of Pentecost style and decided they would go that way. That's why they have started. I think they are the main charismatic church that does community churches. So that is our philosophy. Yes. Hello. Hallelujah. Amen. Please, when you were speaking, please, when you were speaking, you said the church accepts all kind of prayers. But does the church accept vindictive prayers? <laughs> okay, clap for him. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> the church abhors vindictive prayers. But we are saying that the major forms or types of prayer that we identify with like worship, thanksgiving, praises. The worship we call it worship here. Other churches will call it adoration. If you go to the mainline churches, they say adoration is for us worship. And then uh, spiritual warfare prayer. You pray that you bind and destroy the schemes of the enemy and so on. It's a type of prayer. Intercession, supplication, they are the types of prayer. Vindictive prayer, we have tight, made it, we have given that name vindictive prayer. But all these types of prayer that people pray, they can still be vindictive in it. And we are saying that that spirit of vindictiveness is not right. So we don't uh, subscribe to vindictive prayers. Okay. Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh. Please, I'd like to ask about um, the point on total abstinence. Uh, uh, please, the microphone should be one uh, so that you won't crash again. Those who are controlling the microphone. No, you continue. I'm giving a guide to those who are so that you won't be crashing. The point on total abstinence from alcohol, tobacco, and other hard drugs. I wanted to find out uh, more clarification into the hard drugs because. We have this tramadol and pethidin, which are given at the hospital. So if I go to the hospital and I'm in severe pains and I'm giving this drug, should I avoid it? Because oh, okay. and yes. a second question um, about the chastity. Um, I once worked at a unit where the ladies were coming in for a lot of um, family planning methods. They were not married. And we recorded a lot of abortion cases. And Shamefully, a lot of them were Pentecostal. Pentecost, uh, yeah, okay. And the reason some of them gave was that if I should take this pregnancy to church, I'll be suspended. So a lot of them were doing the abortion. A lot of them were doing the family planning. And you know, guys will not be caught. So the ladies are also protecting them so, so that they will be caught. So are we promoting them that they should continue doing that or we'll find a better way of going about it? Thank you. Okay. A better way like... Uh... Okay. Uh, okay, let me... Uh, let me say that we we uphold we uphold total abstinence from alcohol, tobacco, and all those things. If you go to the hospital and the doctor gives you prescribes alcohol for you, you will have problem with you. He answers it, isn't it? Uh, and you know that some of the medicines, the medication that people have been giving us, you have laces of alcohol. And it's, if it is, that's why 
Paul writes to Timothy and said that for your stomach problem, take a little alcohol. The understanding is that if it's for medical purposes, given by uh, what, uh, uh, what, what is the word for it? Proper doctor. <laughs> Certified medical practitioner will have a problem. Because certainly he will give you guidance. You will not become addicted to it. You will not be dependent on it for solving a problem. And we subscribe to you uh, seeking medical attention from a certified medical practitioner. So that one will not be a problem. The other thing with uh, sistering, committing abortion, and some taking uh, family planning things, and some of the brothers providing those things for the sistering, they have been doing those things with, is that the, the tool the church has is uh, discipleship. So we, we disciple the people, we pray for them. If there are issues, we help them out. But if you commit, we cannot let you go like that. You see? So that is the difficulty. But I'm factoring all those things. I'm processing them myself. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a research on, on church discipline. So I'm factoring all those things. When I conclude, I'll bring you answers. But the two the church has is discipleship. That's why today I'm talking about it. And we trust that if you have the fear of God, you, you try to stay. If you have a difficulty, talk to your sorrow and get pastoral help and, and, and guidance. And that's why I said that if you have a difficulty and you tell Osofo or you tell Eda, it does not engender discipline. But if you continue in that path and then you commit, then you have to be disciplined. And so discipline is not just because somebody has been involved in something, but it's because of how the person has handled it. Okay. I hope you are answered. You are not answered. The, last, the, the pregnancy issues one. Yes, that's what I'm saying that the tool that the church has is what she will use. And the tool is discipleship. When I talk about discipleship, it's the whole enterprise of teaching, prayer sessions, coming to church, ministries, talking to you about the ills of uh, premarital sex and all the, It's discipleship, trying to educate you in the Lord to stay on the right track. If you have difficulty, if you fall into any type of... Sometimes we don't want to say, but if, for instance, you are a lady and then you, you get a boyfriend, he's taking you in a certain path, and then you come and tell us, I have difficulty. Well, I've got this guy, you are moving out, and then these issues are coming up. Then the pastor takes it in pastoral counseling. He will help you on how to, to break from that bondage. And I'm saying that those ones, is, it doesn't fall under church discipline. It's pastoral care and duty that the pastor will provide. All right. But if you are in it and you are enjoying it, then before you know it, and then you become that one, whatever happens, you, 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 uh, you'll be disciplined. Okay. Amen. Amen. Please. Okay, so mommy wants to add to it. Uh, that's why I suffer our wives. <laughs> you praise the Lord. The the other side of his question is uh, what I want to bring out that if you are a medical person, 
maybe a medical officer or somebody like that, and people come to you for abortion, and especially when you know that these are your members, Pentecost members, they are not married, what do you do? That's the other side of the question. Is that, is that what that's of my means I'm supposed to do? <laughs> okay. Yes, yes, yes. I think that what you can do as a medical officer, Dr. Simpon is here, is within the ambit of your profession, if you can counsel the person, and if it's possible to recommend the, that the person sees uh, another person. For instance, if you're in 37, somebody comes, and it's not from Burma Camp Worship Center. Just talk to the person. If you want to talk to me, then let the person come. Because I'm not his or her, 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 her pastor. Some people under those circumstances will feel free to talk to somebody who is not directly their suffer. If they come, I'll counsel them and see what God will help us do. And then if it's a Church of Pentecost member here, you come. If you, if you have already done it, and you are throwing up. My, my, my young girl there is shaking the head. She won't come. <laughs> she is not coming. If, if, if you will not come to me, talk to any of the pastors in the area. They will offer you uh, biblical counseling to help your situation out. But sometimes, you see, I'm not, should I say, I'm not letting the cat out of my mouth. Sometimes you are here, you have that issue. If you come and talk to me, Although you are pregnant, it must still not be a discipline case. It must still not be a discipline case. But if your parents bring you a nyimbasro comes, then you have issue. Okay. Yes. Amen. Amen. Please, on the drug issue, we are saying that drugs can be used for medicinal purposes, and the Bible accepts it on that basis. So does it mean a church member can work with a drug firm and also support church business with that money? My second question is on chastity. I was watching a video. A woman was pregnant, but the issue was deformed. So the doctors advised that they terminate it. But she said per her um, church principles or spiritual principles, yeah. it was against her, so she would keep the baby and she gave birth to a deformed baby. So I want to know the church's stand on such an issue. Can a member decide to terminate that baby because the member thinks I cannot handle this all the days of my life or the church has a different stand on it. Amen. Amen. So that one is abortion. That question is about abortion. Okay, on the member working in a drug producing firm. Drug producing firm, if it's a medical drug. It's a pharmaceutical company producing for hospital. You have no problem with it. A member working with Pioneer Tobacco Company. I think it has dissolved now. It's not working. If a member is working with that firm, we have a problem with that one. Because they are just providing tobacco. tobacco there is no way tobacco is medicine. Or Dr. Zembo, is tobacco medicine under some circumstance? Tobacco is medicine. Tobacco is cigarette. <laughs> Let me be clear. It's, it's cigarette medicine. 
Tobacco as a plant may be medicinal in a certain sense. But cigarette, I'm talking about a company producing cigarettes. A company producing cigarettes, the church will not support it. Uh, church will not support it. If, if you are a member here now, and let me also use it to lay the foundation for you. If you are a member here, you have finished school and you decide to go and work in a tobacco producing company, you can be disciplined for it. If you are already working a, a tobacco producing company and you convert to a Christian faith, we will cancel you out of it. You see the difference? If you are a member here now, we expect that there are certain things you know and you should not do. But if somebody converts, if, if a drunkard converts and tomorrow morning after baptism you see him drunk, you will not be suspended. You will not be disciplined we will, because he has a problem. He came with that problem. But if you are sitting in church and you are migrating into that territory, then we, we will have issues with you. But hey. even those ones, they initially become counseling issue, pastoral counseling issue. If you don't stop, then you will aggravate the response to it. And then the second one she asked was uh, <laughs> abortion. The church position is that if uh, the pregnancy, the fetus is a threat to your the life of the mother and they want to abort, the church doesn't have a problem with it. But if you, for your own convenience and for your cover of all, for all kinds of reasons, I want to go to school, I want to, it will disturb my career. Ah, Aboboya, what Aboboya has stopped carrying things? <laughs> that one, we won't side with you. If it's not a threat to the life of the mother, the church doesn't stand by it. Amen. Amen. I think. Uh, that's what I'm saying. The church position is a threat to the life of the mother. Or unless they say that the child also would not survive. Like if, if the medical reason said that the child will not survive, then we, we will support it. But if, if the child they say he will come with a certain deformity and you say because of that you are aborting, the church cannot support that. Amen. Please, my first question. Uh, your first question. Uh, we were going to do Bible study today. <laughs> It, no, it's a, a follow-up on the unfaithfulness. I just need a little oh, Okay. Well, Bible study coordinator. Should we substitute this for Bible study? <laughs> okay. They have got us off with two bombs. Okay, yes. Let's go. Okay, yes. now we will use this one for the service. So, yes. When you were explaining the unfaithfulness, you said maybe if you are given some stationery to sell, and you add profit to it and sell it to sin as unfaithfulness. But the last time I checked of a price well, of let, an hey, item... Let me, let, me, let me explain that one. Uh -huh. If they have given you the material to sell and it says that sell it at this price and bring us the money and you decide to sell it above that one and without anybody knowing, you are pocketing the difference. That, that is the... No, my but other... some of the things, it's for you to go and sell at your own rate. But if you are selling here, like Pentecost Fire has come, you say it's whatever amount. And then when you get to a sister, uh, then you are, what do you do? Uh, I saw them, why you do that? Then you have a problem. Okay, yes. Now the other question is when maybe someone is brought forward and we are told this person has been suspended, 
What is our response to that? Or how should the church react to when we are being told this person has been suspended? So what? What do we do? Yes. Uh, so what? <laughs> okay. So one time we talk about, we deal with church discipline. But when we say we bring somebody forward that a person is suspended, it means that put the person on your prayer list and, and be praying for the person. If the person is your friend, encourage the person to be able to pull through, get over whatever wrong might have come his way. If the person is not already your friend, pray for the person. If you meet the person, just be nice to the person. It is for the presbyters, the leadership to work on that person. It is because sometimes uh, the scriptures and joins us, I think titles that those who are strong should help the weak and yet be careful they are not tainted with their, their defilement. The reason why I'm not saying church member just go into the life of somebody who has a suspension issue is that some of them are better some of them, the, the way they project the matter, you think that the church is wrong and they are right and then you might pick their spirit, then you also become bitter towards the church when in reality we know the details when we bring the people forward for so many reasons we won't, we won't tell you the details but usually more than one person sits on the matter and then we explain to the person why we believe the person erred but when the person is presenting the case to you he will always present that's why we don't listen to one side and judge the person will present a nice side as if he's in the right and the church didn't understand and the leaders are bad and also is not empathetic and merciful. Then you will inherit his spirit and then you go better like that. And you might even become his partner in, this, in offense. And yet we know the details and you know that what happened is not right. So leave it to the leaders to do the actual detail helping to lift the person up. But if the person is your friend, don't shun him from that moment. Still be friends, but at a certain level, just encouraging the person to do what is right and, and, and come up. And there was a case around this place. The person, we suspended the person. The person sent news around, and the, his, the relative called me on a uh, phone and insulted me nicely. Uh, it was, <laughs> the thing was saying he was insulting, but I just listened and then asked the person two pointed questions. I just picked what he's saying and asked some questions. He couldn't answer. Uh, then eventually we start again. It was the executive who met with the, 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 that individual. So I organized, we sat and then I brought the two of them. And now the, the man was apologetic. He realized that what he was doing was, was off. So uh, it's, not, it's not helpful. So, and then there are some matters we don't even send it to the whole presbytery because we don't want many people to know into your case. It's just to help you out. Uh, but there are some people, if you have a small quorum and they talk to the person, one discipline comes, then they are presenting uh, uh, the, the wrong story. But usually, uh, before discipline will come, it's in fair judgment, it's in good judgment. You don't hate anybody here. We just want to help you make it to heaven. Amen. Um, amen. 
Um, this is something the Lord told me um, the other time I was praying. And I think it relates with what the guy was asking, that if you're a medical person, a practitioner and you have uh, issues of people coming to you for abortion, what should you do? One time I was praying, I said to the Lord, I have a dream that one day this nation will be filled by purpose-driven people. And then you'll be shocked at what the Lord told me. He said, this nation will never change until the people change. And the people will never change until their thinking changes. And the thinking will never change until my word is preached. Because my word is spirit and man is spirit. So first of all, you have to realize that what you are dealing with is an effect. It's not a cause. The cause is the heart. As a man thinking in his heart, so is the man. So the medical practitioner is not dealing with the cause. That's an effect you are facing. And if you want to cut that thing down, you have to cut it from the root. So what Papa was saying was that you should refer them to the, the apostles, the ministers, so that that's the only way we, it can be changed. Otherwise, you keep on dealing with the effects. Okay. Amen. So it says that all some of those things are just effect. The situation is the heart. That's why, you see, I'm really concerned about you people. You realize that during your anniversary, the same one I preached before the climax it was what? What did I preach about before the last Sunday? Yeah. When, when the Son of Man come, will you find faith on the earth? And before then, uh, it, the, the, the two Sundays I preached in the 15th anniversary, a model church. I preached our model church. And I preached our model church because some of the things you do, it, it doesn't engender true spirituality. It doesn't engender true spirituality. We can do a service for one hour and then you go. If your church service is one hour, the people will like it, they will go. But you don't have members. They will be shallow. They will not have depth. But it's the depth that will sustain you. Yeah. To get that depth, it should not just be Sunday. Because Sunday already, the way time is going, you have to be cutting this session down. So we will need evening services. You need people to come. Evening service is just preaching and praying. There's no announcement and so many other things that you do in the regular service. And yet, the evening service, people here seem to be allergic. Why is that? Because even between the two assemblies, the Jubilee is mostly our parents, eh? the mothers and the, they come more. Almost every evening, whatever the program, you find that Jubilee participation is higher than Rema. But you are younger ones. You, most of you here yeah, are not even paying anything. You are, <laughs> it becomes difficult. The career ones, even for, you, you can schedule it now, ministry once a month. So you know that third week or the, uh, the week before Lord's Supper will be the ministry's week. You schedule yourself and make it to the particular ministry week. You'll be taught an aspect of your spiritual life, an aspect of your life. And then you have time, serious prayer time, so that you grow in depth. You see, ordinarily, if you hear a word of God, you should pray probably double the time that you used to hear. So that if you, the message was preached 30 minutes, you should pray for like one hour to assimilate it, get it into your system. But you cannot get it in a Sunday service. That's why I'm really worried. I'm really worried about your participation in, in, in evening services. Because most of you here, you are all looking at my face, some smiley and all, 
But you close from here, whatever we tell you for next week, the, the week, you are not here. Sometimes you come to Rema, prayer week, they are praying, prayer week, you come and they have made a circle. They have made a circle. The circle is what? Cell meeting. When the, hey, what is happening to? Praise. The microphone is not going for. <laughs> so I'm saying that whatever challenge we are having, it is because of our hearts, our spirituality. Some of our children, the children we are having as parents of the church, they are not catching Christ. They are not catching Christ at all. Some of our children, they, they, they have not seen what we have seen. And when they have not seen what you have seen, it will be difficult for them to carry on with the faith that you are passing on to them. But as I was telling people, do you know all the charismatic churches, the charismatic churches in Ghana, they have hit a certain point. They are all at a certain major transition phase. And so they need prayers on how to make the transition. Because you find that most of their leaders, they are grooming their children to succeed them. But spirituality is not transmitted that way. And that is the challenge I'm seeing for all of them. That's what they are doing. <laughs> Some of them, their two sons are in ministry. Some, their one son is in ministry. And uh, that young who in our church will be overseer is the uh, <laughs> they are putting on to strategically placed. It, do, it, doesn't, it doesn't go like that. But for our level, I'm saying that my heart really bleeds because for you to get grip on spirituality, it takes serious time of prayer, serious waiting. When we were growing up at age 12, I had done 10 days dry fasting. It's dry fasting before. And in my teens, after fasting, I happened to stay with a pastor, Pastor Sarkoin. The fasting, we take it like water. What? You are child. And when we are doing fasting and prayers, it's not, since it's, it's primary school, seven days, seven days, seven days. And then at the point, he was something for us, seven days, you only drink hot water, warm water with lemon, uh, honey. Uh, you drink, so at the time, I didn't like the scent of honey. We drink it. And you know, young boy, if you, if you are feeling the, the, then you drink more. <laughs> drink, drink, drink. But it helped us. It helped us. It helped us. It helped us. Some of the things that we do today, we laid the foundation years ago. Uh, some of, even, I tell you that some of the places I go to preach, I saw it at that time. Uh, so it's like, just like we are working in the fulfillment of what had been laid. So be serious. Be serious. Probably what I have to do now is get the names. I will list names and bring people here and then we spend all night praying. Uh, so I'll teach them how we pray and we pray for long. Uh, because when we make the general announcement, come, they don't come. Now I will point you and come. Then I'll be giving you doses of fasting to do. It's not because you need money or you need to pass your exams. It's because you need God. You see, two people came from Egypt. The people who came from Egypt, there are two. Only two people came. <laughs> you know, Moses and the others. 
It's only two people who left Egypt, Moses and the others. And Moses was one who was looking for God. The others were looking for freedom. God have mercy. Yes. There was a hand up. Okay. Please, what I want to add to the fully um, participating fully is even the Sundays I've had complaints. I even told her of mommy and then she spoke about it that especially the ladies during Sunday services they are not part of us. They are Facebooking, they are on Instagram, they are on their phones. So the lady told me, I came to tell her of mommy, she spoke to them but she's come back about four times that is still ongoing. I want to beg you that when you come for service, you give the service your full attention. When we close, you can do anything with your phones. Amen. Is it, this service, we start at 8.30. Most of you, 9 o'clock, you are now warming up. Uh, it's not good enough. It's 8.30. So that we can finish in good time. L- last week, I was doing some exercise with our sister uh, Eunice, Dr. Eunice. Uh, we were calculating all that goes on in a service. Opening prayer, worship, naming ceremony. We put time to every one of them, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. And do you know what we ended up with? Is she here? Uh, oh, she's not here. Dr. Innes. Uh, she's not around. We ended up four hours. Four hours. It means if the things that we do in one Sunday service, if we were to treat every one of them properly, some of them were even given like five minutes. Opening prayer, I think we gave ten minutes. But you know that sometimes they sing and wait for you. So it's like thirty minutes. And it was four hours. So when we try and make three hours, we have cut some things. Are you understanding me? There are some other things we just make it short. But there are some people, even a three hours is a long service. It's a very long service for them. So you have to be cutting and cutting for you. You won't get spirituality. Ghana is having problems simply because Christianity in Ghana is shallow. We are on the surface. There's no depth to the, the faith. That is a challenge. May God have mercy on us. Yes. Okay, Apostle. I have three. Three? <laughs> okay. So by the, generally, um, the first one is on Ephesians 4, the ministry gate. Apostles, yeah. prophets, Prophet, uh, evangelists, pastors. Why don't you have something like teacher man? Why don't you have a title as a teacher? Uh, title as a teacher. Yes. Okay, okay. Yes. The reason why we don't have title as a teacher is that in some of the translations, we say, say pastors and teachers. It's like pastor, pastoral work is lamp with teachers. So yes, put uh, pastor for, for that. Okay, so the second one is on this uh, patrilineal inheritance. Patrilineal inheritance uh, yes. for church ministers and maybe staff. Yes. I just want to find out the spirit behind this policy. Oh, that position is from biblical point of view. When you go to scripture, it's patrilineal. Inheritance from Genesis to wherever, always patrilineal. You see that if you are even true to Old Testament, the ladies are not really counted into it. Inheritance is to patrilineal. Seed is traced to patrilineal. Right. And then we use that so that we get a university formity to help in whatever we are, support the church has to offer. 
Okay. So I don't know if this is a follow-up, but has it got anything to do with why women are not ministers in Pentecost? Why women are not? Oh, that one is a different matter. It's a, it's a theological position. Uh, if you raise those arguments, it will take another. Uh, but Jesus chose 12 disciples. He didn't choose one woman. But there were women following. Women were ministering to Christ. And so this one is not gender. <laughs> Uh, and then lately the, the issue has come one of our retired ministers he has even written a whole book and, I, and he's telling us that the, the, the clipped wing of the church is, is, is uh, the clipped wing is the women who are not in ministry he says Pentecost is flying on one wing because it's only men that are ordained but we are not ordaining the women but it has also practical ministry reason Pentecost ministry eh, a, a pastor was sent to Teshi last year. This year is going out. How many men will follow their wives that way? That your wife is in Pentecost ministry, he can be transferred and you have to follow him. You see, it's a difficult, it's a practical difficulty. Because the Bible backs the fact that the man is the head of the family. So generally, it's the wife that, who should follow the husband. If you bring the woman into ministry, he should reverse it. The man should follow his wife because of the nature of our ministry. And practically, there will be difficulties. This council meeting, we have found that some of the sophomores are working. And the working is not a problem. But some are working in different places from their husbands. The husband is a pastor in Borga. The wife is a nurse in Tamale. And we are saying it doesn't help the ministry. Although the woman is not an employee, we call both of them into ministry in the sense that we expect that he will be a support to the husband. That's why if a man is not married, we don't take him as a minister. We want to see the two of them. And then we want the wife to agree that wherever the man is going, he will, she will also go. So for practical ministry reasons, we are not taking them also. Because I don't think there are many men who will just be following their, hus their wives. Your wife has been transferred, so change job or also try and get transfer uh, and so on. It will be practical difficulties. So th those ones are, are there, but they are putting to me, okay, put. <laughs> so you got that one. Yes. A follow-up. Yes. You see, even with the men, when they are being ordained, you actually call the wife and then explain to her that this, uh, he's been called into ministry, the two of you who are going into it, because you need the wife's consent that she is going to support him. Yes. So I'm thinking that in the same way, if a woman is called into ministry, you can call the husband and explain to him that your wife has a calling on her life. Yes. Are you ready to support her? Are you ready, if she's transferred from this place to this place, to follow her? There may be some men who are willing. Because of the work of ministry, they have that heart for God. So they may be willing to follow their wives everywhere. Give them the chance. <laughs> I wonder, between the two of you, <laughs> you follow, there, there, there are practical difficulties. Even for the men. Even for the men now, because formerly most of the women were not career people. Now most of our young ladies are career people. So they marry the asophos and then practically they find difficulty because she wants career progression. 
she wants this and that and she has to go for courses. There are some who are, if you have to travel outside Ghana and go for courses so that they can get their promotions and so on. But for us as a church, practically it doesn't help us. Practically it doesn't help us. So we are saying that if your husband wants to come to full-time ministry, then you the wife, you will sign that I will follow him everywhere, anytime, by morning, noon, and night. So we are doing that. Now, for, for husbands, you can tell him and all that, but sometimes, theologically, you have difficulty pushing a man. Theologically. Because the man is the head. <laughs> so, uh, if he's the head of his family, you can't tell him that because of the circumstance, it should be, it should, it, there is practical uh, <laughs> in my company, it's not even legally alone, but a man, if he says, <laughs> and generally men will not want to be the one seen to be because in this context, everybody will know that you are following the man, even if he's following the wife, want to follow it at his own time and with that people. But this one, it will be binding on him to follow, and it's difficult. So, there are, there are, there are practical challenges to it. <laughs> unless, uh, in fact, unless the men become uh, not, uh, different creatures, <laughs> I, I hope you are you are following the argument, you are following the discussion. So that's why Pentecost we are not ordaining women. There are practical difficulties apart from the theological position that people can take, but practical difficulties in the nature of our ministry, the nature of our, our ministry. All right, yes. Apostle, my question is, um, you said something that in the church, we believe in community churches. Yeah. And supposing I'm here and I'm to be cancelled for my marriage, but my partner happens to be somewhere in the north. He also fellowship with um, Pentecost in the north. Yeah. Is he to come all the way from the north to Accra to be cancelled with me? Or he can be cancelled in the north as well too? And if, yes, he has to move all the way to um, Accra to be cancelled with me, then there is a question mark on the community church. And if no, uh, uh, don't, don't, I have you, you don't, don't add anything. I will answer all. Oh, okay. uh, so that, that's it. my question. Uh, uh, but you know why I'm approaching you? <laughs> I don't want anybody to hear. I'm just asking her whether somebody is in the office. <laughs> that for Jesus. <laughs> okay, some people, they, they, they ask questions on point too. <laughs> it's, a, it's a practical question. Okay. Okay, on the counseling issue, it's not church position per se, but counseling is helpful if the two of you are present. So there are instances when we look at the circumstance. Maybe the man is in Bogatanga, the woman is in Accra. Getting the man down is difficult based on distance, based on his job, and so many things. It's difficult for the woman also to go up. So then we decide, okay, then let's get somebody up north to cancel the man and then somebody to cancel the woman. But whatever happens, then we will tell them that after the counseling, when they, they are about to get married, at least the week of the marriage, the man of arms come down. They should meet the counselor here so that they can reconcile. He will bring some highlights and see that they are agreeing on certain critical points. Because counseling is not just about give you information about the marriage. It is for the two of you also to be making certain decisions. And then sometimes when you look at the facial expressions, the person has not spoken with the mouth 
It's not verbal. But the gestures and things will tell you whether they are flowing together. So then you can work on them better. So how can two work together except they agree? So it is generally for the good of the two of them so that the counseling will, the essence of the counseling will be met. But it's not like church policy, church position that you can't, you can't be wedded unless the two of you are here. But the, what we are doing will be beneficial if the two of them are together. But if you look at it and it's simply not practical. There are people here who have married like that. We allow them to be cancelled apart and then they come and reconcile and then we bless it. Right. Okay. God bless. Uh, <laughs> okay. Thank this you. is Elder's representative for one Elder's question. Um, my question is on church discipline. I know you said you will talk about it later, but I just want to ask. Is the way we go about disciplining our members? We call you up front and we suspend you. I know it's in accordance with the Bible, First Timothy chapter 5, verse 20. Those who persist in sin, we should rebuke in the presence of all so that the others may stand in fear. But my question is, how effective has this method been? The question I always ask is that the people that them are members that we subject them through this process. I know some people, some of them are retained. But what percentage is it? Is it is it effective? Do we end up having the people who have gone through that process being reformed and more committed to the things of God? Or the majority of the people who we subject through this process, many of them are they've left the church. I, I can't say lost. But they have left the church. How effective is this our disciplinary pro, uh, process? And do you think we have to change it a bit? So, because every soul is important. Those who are here, those who have disciplined, we are not disciplining them so that it's not as if we are giving them to the devil. But then, how effective has it been and what can we do to improve it? Okay. Well, I answered the question by asking, what is the alternative? Apart from the fact that church discipline is biblical, what is the alternative to discipline? If you have people committing and doing things in church, that is not worthy of the name of Christ. And you call them in private and maybe reprimand them and then they keep on. What are you communicating to the entire body? What reformation will happen? Church discipline serves two purposes. It serves to help reform and work on the person who has committed. And it serves also to, to caution the others to, to, to live right. In church matters and in spiritual matters, statistics often is not adequate to prove whether it has been effective or not because it's a matter of the heart. There are some people, just the thought of the discipline, they will stay off. There are others, unless they go through, say, some and then when we have disciplined the person by bringing forward, we don't end there. The minister who did the suspension keeps in touch with the person, talk to the person, and help the person through the process of uh, repentance and restoration. So if the person cooperates with the process, we trust that it gets better 
at the end of the day. But certainly there are people who do not cooperate. They sit before you. They are saying that when they leave, what they, the remarks they are making and comments that they are passing to others, you know they, they are, they are, their heart is not in the process. Truly, there are some people you have removed from suspension, not because we have found that they have repented, but you cannot keep somebody hanging for life. It's not, you can't give somebody life sentence. So, you remove the person from suspension, trust that, trusting that the grace of God will help the person as he journeys on. Amen. That, this one will be the last one. Eh? <laughs> okay, yes. Daddy, please, my question is on the faithfulness and integrity. Yes. It's, it's a kind of personal issue. Yes. Please, uh, I have a hobby that I've turned into a business now. I work with bees. Yes. yes. And sometimes I give my work, pictures of my work to colleagues and then friends to put on their status and then advertise for me. But I always have people asking if I can work on anklets for them. But personally, I, I don't like it because... I don't see myself wearing anklets and coming to church. As a Christian, I believe it is not right. So I always tell them, I don't go into this part of the beats making. I want to know the church's opinion on anklets. Church's opinion on anklets. Church's opinion. <laughs> the church's position on anklets has not been stated in black and white. But Generally, it's not accepted in our context. Generally, it's not accepted. We don't see it as befitting a Christian. Unless we get to another culture in which anglets are routine, then probably no issue with it. But in our context, I don't think that anglets, the, the, the cultural understanding of people put it is not the, the best for a Christian confession. So the church doesn't subscribe. Although we have not put it in black and white. Thank you. Now the mind is on uh, what is the church's position on members operating Yaba uh, or sports? Since we frown on... Okay, members and... dealing with... Uh, it's like we, uh, the, the tobacco one has uh, the cigarette. We don't expect a church member to work with the tobacco or uh, uh, cigarette producing company. Do you know why I'm changing the tobacco to cigarette? Because doctor is telling me that some tobacco are for medicine. <laughs> but no cigarette is meant for medical purpose. So we don't want them to be there. We don't expect a member to work in Adonko or uh, Okay. For now, because you are not recording, I can mention it. But I don't uh, uh, probably I should not mention the company's name as though I'm preaching against them. Alright. So we don't expect a member to open a drinking bar. Uh, when, when, when we were growing up, now I've not been seeing, when we were growing up, I remember in a, my local assembly, people were suspended for it. If you open a beer bar, you are suspended for it. But for now, there are some contexts that are difficult. Like a member set up a hotel or <laughs> restaurant and then they are selling uh, 
all kinds of things there. Yeah. Narrowing it, it becomes difficult. It becomes a difficult. It's not as straight as Biaba. It's not as straight. So it's difficult. Some of them, too, you go in and you find that that part is, he's not running. He probably is just taking rent for their occupation of the place. But it is something that goes with the enterprise. You say, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, hotel and whatever. Hospitality industry. Because an industry and it, is, it becomes difficult. If you stretch it, then you eventually tell your member you can't open FM station because you advertise certain products. And then you come to a point where you say you can't have an FM station because uh, not every preaching that they do on it is in keeping with your faith. So sometimes at a certain point you can't stretch it too much. But you look at the person himself assessing the things, judging it based on his faith. Like our sister, if our sister were to be doing beats for anglets and things, probably would not chase her for doing anglets. But she herself transposed her faith into her working life and find that it's not something she wants to do it. Are you understanding me? Uh, so that is the principle with which we work. Um, <laughs> okay, so this is the last question. And I will pray over all that you have heard today. One, if as a Christian... <laughs> it's not the single one. <laughs> um, Muslims celebrate their Ramadan and they bring you meat, food, and all those things. You have to accept. And then secondly, if you have a funeral or a party or something as a Christian... And there are people, friends, who would prefer alcoholic drinks to the other ones. What do you have to do? Okay. That's all the question. Okay. Uh, it depends on the context. And I will explain it. If uh, They slaughter a sheep for traditional religion festivities. You should not accept the food. If you accept the food, we can you can be disciplined for it. If if you I'm explaining it. It's all Bible. (laughs) It's Bible. Except that this one is a tablet. (laughs) It's Bible. I'll explain. When a Muslim brings you, breaks his fast and brings you the meat, you can accept. The difference is this. That the meat of the Ramadan is not part of the worship. It's a celebration of what they have done. So you don't go looking for it. If they give you, fine. But the one that is offered in traditional worship is offered to the gods 
And the Bible is explicit on it, 1 Corinthians 10, that the food that they eat there, they eat it in celebration of the God. And those who are partaking in that food are saying that they subscribe to that God. And so a believer does not take it at all. They, on the other side, if they have slaughtered mood for an idol, and then you don't know the person has cooked his food, you go to his house and he serves you the food, and you eat, there's no sin. Because you have not ate it in the context of their worship. You didn't know that they have, it is, come, the meat is part of what they offered to the idol. And the Bible says, if you want to go and they serve you food, don't even ask, uh, where is it coming from? Is it. Uh, no, once they serve you food, eat. But don't go that, oh, I've heard that they are celebrating this, so I'm going to enjoy their food. Don't go. Am I making some sense? So that is the difference. And then the other one they said is what? Yes. Classically, if you organize your party, you should not bring alcohol there. I've said it classically because I know military context that there are some things that will be institutional. It will not be based on you. So then, get some people to organize for them in that context. But if you can avoid, then avoid. You see, for me as a chaplain, if I have my party and senior officers come, and I don't give them alcohol. They won't do anything. <laughs> well, you know, it's chaplain's party. When they are coming, they are coming for chaplain's party. Uh, one general, a woman, she said, told, told other people that, when I saw organized party, me, I'm not part. He's not inviting me. Because <laughs> the thing is having there, he knows me. Uh, so he understands. When he's coming to a soft one, he understands. But the nature of the military job uh, there, are, there, there's a limit to individual freedom and where the systems one begins. So that one, <laughs> do it based on your assessment of the situation. I, 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 have you understood me? Oh, I've said that in Yama, you are confused. Uh, so I'm saying that classically, generally, don't serve alcohol in your party. But if you are in a system that the system demands it, then in the context of the system, you organize it for them. Amen. Okay. So on that note, we want to pray. We want to first thank God for his word. And then we want to pray that God make me a Christian. Lord, Make me understand your call of me in Christ. Lord, make me a Christian from the heart. Shall we pray together? Do you know why when we are praying, then there's a tendency to ask you to stand. When I said pray, now you are praying, I will mention some denomination. You are praying... Pentecost practice of prayer. We speak it to, we say it. Everybody will hear that you are preaching, praying. So let's stand to our feet and let's begin to thank God for this morning. 
Begin to thank God for this morning. And I'm walking through to hear you pray. Pray this morning. Thank God. Thank God Pentecostally. Hey. Thank God Church of Pentecost Muli. Is that how best you can speak out? Hey, don't pray into the microphone. I want them to pray for us to hear that they are praying. Rema pray, Rema pray, Rema pray, Rema pray, pray and thank God. Thank God that He has saved us in Christ. That He has brought us into His church to be part of His family. He has brought us into oneness with Him. Lord, we thank you, Lord, we thank you, Lord, we thank you, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us even to the ministry in the Church of Pentecost, to make partakers of your inheritance manifest in this church. We thank you for the Church of Pentecost. We thank you for our forebears. We thank you for the fathers. We thank you for the leadership that you give us. We thank you for your grace that guides us. Thank you for the love that binds us, binds us together. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that, that through the agency of your church, you are guiding us steadily to the heaven's home. Thank you, Lord. Giboriante kadabarabo sirureyanda lerebro koto yorobrosta rambu shakato sakabe rebere krebostia ramanda satitinde vasabata teruban kambrinde rongoto nasikinara mino krasta lerebro nereba ramasha valuzi kinene ramandurubriyanda. Now I want to pray. Lord, help us to be Christians, to be real believers from the heart that we are able to uphold the culture of the church by the faith that we profess. Shall we pray? Shall we pray? Pray that the Lord will make you a Christian from the heart. That the decisions you make, the steps you take, you take your stand for Christ. You stand for Christ. Oh, if the sun comes, will he find faith on the earth? Oh, if the Son of God comes, will he find faith? In your heart, in your life. Oh, Ringiba, Santobo, Rokoto, Zabrakata, Yandaba, Shendiba, Ragedebre, Zandobro, Debaragabros, Tinere, Rabata, Rembondi, Kabadi, Barabo, Sante, Kalabara, Borobo, Sidere, Bolianta, Gilo, Minavalido, Shakato, Roboda, Ribadi, Teremaduro, Moshidinara, Masana, Ragadaba, Tatare, Maracoto, Robro, Nerebro, Nelebre, Mazinerea. Ramata de Zelebari Katura Mandabaramadoro Boboriandale Remazutale Kabata Lura Kabata Ramanda Rubidian Nerebrainanda Rakata Yande Reboko Bositara La Pene Leberianta Make us Christians, Lord. Make us Christians, Lord. Reveal your son in us. Reveal your son to us. Reveal your son in our lives, Lord. Father God, we look to your grace and your mercies alone. Prove yourself mighty in our lives, Lord. Let your light shine through for us. Kaloso, Kaboro, Kaba. 
Gimbonda la zonka balakasente rebereka. Shindini mabambandi atodi dirikanda deremuruka. Zimana manaidi kina mazuri anda leri mazuara masha. Dima zokataremo zokenda deza barakazata. In the name of Jesus. I want you to pray that your faith will impact the assembly positively. Pray that the Lord will use you to bring a stirring, a new move of God, even in this assembly. Pray that your commitment will be excellent. Your kind of Christianity will be contagious. It will affect many others. That Rema will receive a new wave of the Spirit of God. Shall we pray together? Zalvazo kipadi zakabara zaba. Tante kabado rabasanta karabasanta rabasata. Inde balo bakata zale maluka banda rasabada barianta. May our faith, may I work with you, Lord, affect many others. May it stir up in their hearts a passion for you, a longing to work with you, Lord. Diviko basi and the pandero bostala ramashikianta. Oh, revive us again, oh God, that we will be revived. Bring to us that old kind of faith. Lord, bring to us the fire of your spirit, Lord. De zimbala kaza, te mandamanda kandala marabaza, shera baduri anda bakatoro kasi enderelea, reng baduri kina ruazale kimanda ruada baraka boandastea, ramponso kina baraka zenea, Shimiri balabara badere babari andaleri bulgabara bastia. Glorify your name in our lives. Rambo stiti tarabastia. I know that at my forty. Oh, the fool is of sin.